Good evening, church. And um, <clears throat> welcome from me also to the Randburg peeps. It's good to have you here. Um, it's, it's lucky to have such a full house. Um, we are, you know, we're sending some people tonight, and there's, you know, there's sadness in that, and there's joy in that, in another sense. Um, we're also just acknowledging the call of leadership on other people's lives, and specifically in the Santon congregation. And um, it, uh, it started a while back when Lauren and I were having lunch with Henny, and we were just talking about the church, and we were just thinking about what does... What does a what does a biblical uh, leadership model look like in the local church? Um, you know, what does the Bible say about structures and governance and ministry and and those responsibilities and and areas of authority? And um, and we had a great conversation. And um, any any um, shared with us the principle of plurality of leadership. Who who has heard of the term plurality of leadership? So I feel like I've, I've, I've taught a couple of you something tonight. Thank you, Annie. You taught me. Um, which is a principle in the Word about um, leading together. Um, and we think about the early church. There was also a council that, that led the early church. Um, scripture says that um, wisdom is found in the council of many. And, um, and Lauren and I were just, you know, we were also just real about the fact that I'm still working full-time. I'm not, I'm not working for the church and full-time ministry in that sense. Um, but we felt it's it's unfair that the church should suffer as a result of that, and so we really had it on our heart to put together a a team um, that can help to lead and help to minister. Um, and we prayed about it, and through lots of guidance with Henny, um, I believe that the Lord laid certain people on our heart. Um, and so tonight we'll be appointing for the Santon congregation um, deacons and elders. Um, which is very exciting to me. Our first deacons and elders. Well, Lauren and I were deacons, but uh, now we've, we've moved up in life. <laughs> Just joking. Um, but now we want to appoint deacons and elders to, to lead with us um, and to serve you guys in ministry and in following Jesus. Um, and so... We spoke about that, we went to the Word, we, we, we sp- had many conversations with any because we wanted to be clear and we wanted to take it seriously and honor what the Word says about these things um, and do it the way God intended for it to be originally um, when He designed the church, the local body of Christ. And so just, the, just quickly, the difference between deacons and, and elders, um, they're, they're the same in the sense that it's just an acknowledgement of a track record of faithfulness in those individuals' lives um, and an acknowledgement of a gift to minister, a grace to minister to people. That obviously doesn't mean that they're the only people that's leading or the only people that's ministering, um, but it is an acknowledgement of that role. What's, um, what's different is that elders have a greater responsibility and authority when it comes to governance of the church, so around decision-making and around setting direction, etc. Um, and in that sense, uh, the elders will be working closely together with Lauren and I and, and Henny um, to continue to pray about where are we going, what does God want from us, um, and to lead the execution of that as well. Um, so we are very excited. We're also, um, we've also decided that the district leaders in Santon will, will also be deacons. Um, and so for the, for the deacons, there will be a specific area of ministry that they'll be looking afterwards and be responsible for and spearhead. They won't be alone, alone responsible for that, but they'll head up that area of ministry. Um, and, and yeah, 
for the, for the district leaders, that will be their, the small groups, of course. So that will be their area of ministry. Um, and together with that, as, long as, there, as, as much as there are areas of ministry and areas of grace and leadership, um, together we'll, we're meeting once a month. We've already had two meetings um, where we you know, just seek God's face for this church and ask what he wants from us. Um, and what he wants to do here. And as we grow, I think a bigger team also help to be, be more effective and get some things done. Um, so leading collectively as a team, leading certain ministry areas. Um, a couple of the deacons we said would be leading districts um, with the small groups being the area of ministry. Um, we've also just really added on our hearts to that God wants us um, in Joburg to... Um, Invest in families and uh, disciple and equip families to do family the way God intended it to be. And uh, this is something that I'm thinking about a lot at the moment and praying about, you know, just in my journey of being a husband and a father and um, asking God, what does that look like? What does he, what is the, what's the model, you know, what's, what is he intended for us? And, and for us, we want to be a community of believers that have strong families um, that are families that serve the Lord together, that are families where the dad stands up and he takes up his role. Even though it's not perfect, we're striving towards godliness together and growing in that way. And, um, you know, I can talk about that for a long time, but there was just so much confirmation in this area of family, even this past week when um, we got together as leaders and we just prayed for the church. We know that the vision God has given us for next year, both for Santon and Randburg, is around community, right, and growing as a community and having our hearts knitted together even more closely and celebrating together and carrying each other's burdens and figuring out what that looks like in the city with all the challenges. Um, and so families is a, is, is a big area for us. And so uh, one of the couples that will be ordaining as deacons tonight will be um, specifically looking after uh, the marriages in Santon um, and creating opportunities to grow in that area, a safe place to share, a safe place to just be connected in community in that sense. Um, and also in the areas of, of men and women, which uh, include all of you. So it's an inclusive ministry. Um, I would like then to, yeah, before I call into the front, just say that um, I'm really excited about the fact that um, we're doing this um, because I believe it's from the Lord. And I'm really excited about the people because I also feel, also believe strongly that the people have been handpicked by the Lord. And, um, and, uh, and so that's exciting. So I would like to ask them to come to the front. They know who they are. So um, Bernay and Bianca and Jacques and Elizabeth, Okert and Itomi. Andre and Mason and Hannes and Catherine. All right. I think we have some slides about them. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's Lauren and I um, at Lenka and Louis' wedding last weekend. Um, Okay, we can go to the next one. Thanks. <laughs> All right, this is uh, Andre and Mezen. Um, they are being um, appointed as elders tonight. They um, are also leading the East Rand District um, with all the small groups there. Um, and so Andre is passionate about God's church and relationships and Mezen about marriages, community, and loving, living wholeheartedly. Um, 
They've also been, yo, how long have you guys been in, in Shofar? 2003, 15 years, um, when they met in the small little Halloween decorated church in Pretoria. When the Pretoria church initially just had a, um, when they just started out 15 years ago. Um, they've done MTP, they've been involved in the Utrecht church plant in the Netherlands, um, and they're just special people that have such a heart for God's church, um, and so they'll be serving as elders. All right. Ternay and Bianca, um, deacons looking after marriages. They've already been running the, um, the marriage prep course for us for a while in Santon for this year, um, and with... Uh, at the, the rate at which people were getting engaged in Santa, and we thought we probably need a whole ministry area for that. <laughs> um, but I think next year we want to grow as married, married couples that are already married as well. Um, and so they'll be hitting that up too. Uh, but Naya's passionate about ownership, agriculture, social upliftment. Um, Bianca, about the prophetic. <laughs> we know that. Mia and Adrian are passionate about everything. <laughs> also very true. Um, all right. Jacques and Elizabeth, <laughs> with Elizabeth's new cat, or not so new cat anymore, um, they'll be serving as, they have been serving as district leaders for a while now, since about a year now, I think, looking after the central district um, and doing an amazing job. They'll be serving as deacons as well, passionate about people, community, relationships, creativity, art, prophetic, coffee, music, animals and cats. Is that not the same thing? Is a cat not an animal? Well-being and health. All right. Okerd and Yutomi, serving as deacons. We'll be looking after the men's and women's ministries. Um, They've also been around for a while. (laughs) Um, Okerd, I think, has served in every imaginable ministry area in church. Um, And uh, Yutomi as well. So we are passionate about solving problems, equipping people, and healthy relationships. Love to travel, love being outside, and trying out random recipes. I did not know that. Good to know. Um, Hannes and Kath, they are also, as of tonight, district leaders. Um, <laughs> they've been serving as zone coaches over the northern district and some of the Santon small groups. Um, and that zone has really grown to the point where it now is probably no longer a zone, but more of a district. Um, and so they are district leaders for the Northern District, um, passionate about community and relationships. They enjoy running. I have gone for a run with the runners before, so I can attest to that. Um, gardening and DIY projects at home. So, some cool people, hey? Yeah, very exciting. Um, there are some slides that we want to just put on. Um, the ordination of the elders, right? So let's read that scripture. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I just want to read that again. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And, um, and in as much as it's an amazing privilege to, to serve in this capacity, um, it's also a really big responsibility. And um, what I 
one of the things I appreciate and honor about this group of people is many of them asking us, um, you know, can we, tell us what this entails, what this role entails and what the responsibility will be because we don't take it lightly and we want to serve before the Lord um, and know what, what he expects of us. So for the deacons... They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. And um, I think we can all test to just um, not perfect people, because there is no such thing, but people with, who have faithfully been serving the Lord and who have character that speak of a maturity um, in the faith. All right. So now we've got a couple of declarations to make. You ready? Okay. Um, it is our belief that the calling into the Christian ministry and to a particular sphere of service is both of God and the church. The church must diligently seek God's will, and this is confirmed by a God-given inner conviction on the part of the persons called. For as much as we believe that you are acting in obedience to the call of God, it may seem needless to ask for any further assurance of your faith and sincerity of purpose, but in order that you may yourself realize the solemn trust you have undertaken and that this congregation may better understand your mind and will, we ask you to answer the questions which in the name of Christ and His Church we address to you. Do you believe in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And do you confess anew Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Good. Do you believe in your heart that you are truly called of God to the eldership or deaconship of this church? Will you serve Christ in this church with love and consideration? Cool. Will you seek to extend the kingdom of God and, and endeavor to make it grow in apostolic fashion as you have been called here to. Yes. Special. Thank you. Um, and then, to the congregation. You are very much part of this process. Um, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Do you, members of this church, acknowledge and receive these deacons, promising them all due honor and support in the Lord? If your answer is yes, will you please signify this by standing? I want us to just pray for them. Um, I'm going to ask you just to pray for them where you are. Maybe just turn to two, two or three people to each other, um, four if you must, and then just pray for them. Um, just pray for them in the responsibility they'll be carrying, that the grace of God will be on them, um, that God will speak to them, um, that it won't be a heavy burden, but that they'll serve in joy. And then uh, Lauren and Henny and, and, and Rochelle, I will also just, just pray for them as you pray, so you can go for it.
Yes, Lord, we just bless these leaders. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for um, the grace that already ex- rests on them, Father God, for yeah, just such a clear picture, Lord, of, of hearts that are hungry for you, Father God, and a willingness to, to jump in and serve the need, Father God, and we bless them, Lord, Father God. We just thank you for a renewed grace. Lord, as of today, Father God, we thank you for increased authority, Father God. We thank you for discernment, Father God. We thank you for a joy in serving, Lord. We thank you for the freedom, Lord, to find authentic expression in, in how, who you've created them to be, Lord, in their areas of ministry, Father God. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that you guide them in prayer, Father God. We thank you that you guide them in decision-making, Lord. And, um, yeah, we just honor them, Father God, as... Um, as faithful stewards of your grace, Father God, and people that you've chosen to, share, to, to lead in these different capacities, Father God. Um, so we bless them, Lord, and we bless you, Lord, for building your church, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm going to just share a short message tonight. Um, what, I, what I felt the Lord lay on my heart is um, I wanted to, to share about something that would bless and encourage the, the people that were ordained tonight, um, but also um, bless and encourage the rest of us um, who serve in other capacities and who lead in other capacities. And what the Lord laid on my heart for tonight is, um, is a section around um, David's mighty men in the Old Testament. And um, if you read in 2 Samuel 23, verse 8 to 39, there's a... Just amazing, incredible stories of these warriors, these mighty men of valor that ran with David, and without whom which he would not have been able to to live out the destiny that God had planned for him, and live out the calling that God had given him. He's often reflected on as um, one of the greatest kings in the Bible, and the Bible has a lot to say about, about David, and he's the only person in in scripture that's outrightly called a man after God's own heart. And um, if we look at just the victories that God gave him over his lifetime and the extent to which the kingdom was extended, we know about his worship heart and the fact that he was willing to be even more undignified than this before the Lord. And there's so many admirable things about David. Um, But he was also surrounded by some pretty amazing people, um, some strong men that God raised up around him so that he could do what God had called him for and God's kingdom be extended. So... If you look at that scripture, the, the, the mighty, David's mighty men, uh, David's special forces, it's sometimes referred to, um, there's, a, there's a bit of a distinction. It talks about the three and the thirty. Um, and then it lists all the names. Just quickly, of the three, these are now like the three main mighty men, right? I think these guys were quite hardcore. They, the first one's called Joseph Bashabeth. Um, he killed 800 people at one time. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eliezer was another one. He, um, he, when the whole of the Israelite army fled under the Philistines, he, he remained standing. And then there was Shammah, who, um, when the Philistines wanted to overtake um, a, a lentil farm... <laughs> Um, some people, you know, make light of it and say a pea patch. He was literally defending a pea patch, but he was like, "This is God's pea patch. This is Israel's pea patch. This is meant to to feed the people of God." And he risked his life in order to defend that pea patch, and he ward off the the Philistines. So those are the three. Then there's the thirteen. There's many names, and there's some of them singled out. Amazing stories of 
um, courage, loyalty, faith. But there's a specific section that I would like for us to read and focus um, in that text. So if you want to read with me, it's in 2 Samuel 23, verse 13 to 17. And three of the thirty chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, this is the important part that I want to focus on, and David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men that was by the gate, uh, then the three mighty men, broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. And... um. You can almost see David sitting there. The Philistines have taken over Bethlehem. It's, you know, it's completely taken over. It can't be penetrated. And David just, I think he's just, he's just thinking out loud. He's just, you know, when you, sometimes when you're on a hiking trip or you're on a mission and you think back to the luxuries that you have at home or whatever and you're like, oh, what's your favorite food? And, and he's just like, oh, that I could have a drink from the well of Bethlehem, you know, etc. His three mighty men hear this, and they literally risk their lives to go and get this water for David that he so craves. They go through the Philistines, their mortal enemies, whom they are in direct battle with, and they are literally risking their lives so that they can give David this water that he... And if you think about it, did he, did he outright ask them? You know, he could have commanded him, he had the authority, but did he command them? No, he didn't even compel them. He didn't even ask them outright. And if you see his response, it's clear that he didn't expect them to actually go through with it. Because he then pours out that water and he says, this water is too valuable. This water represents the lives of my men. I can't drink this. How can I drink this and make light of the sacrifice that these guys are willing to make for me? So why did they go? Why, why did they, I mean, what do you think went through their minds? What, what was their motive or what, what made them cross that threshold to risk their lives for a cup of water? They loved the king. They loved David. And if you see, if you, if you look at his response to what they did, it's not difficult to understand why. If you get the value that he placed on his men's lives, how much he loved them, that he wouldn't even drink something that they had risked their lives for. He says, it's too precious. I won't drink this. And um, they loved David so much that they were willing to risk their own lives only because he thought of the water. And they were so loyal because of David's leadership and because of who he was and because they knew his heart and they loved him with all their heart. They were willing to risk and sacrifice for him. 
And this, this challenges me personally on a couple of levels. It challenges me in, uh, when I think about my own leadership. Um, in church, probably a little bit more at home as a husband, as a dad. Maybe I had to work with some of the leadership responsibilities that I have there. This, uh, this is quite a high standard of leadership when the people on your team, your men, feel that way about you. It also challenges me on the level of what kind of friend and what kind of team member and what kind of servant I am when I look at these men who are willing to risk and sacrifice and lay their lives down because their leader had a, had a cup. They, he was keen for a cup of water from a specific source. And there are powerful lessons in the text about that. Um, but there's a, a striking parallel that I think is even more profound. Um, you know, David poured out the water to show his value for his men. Um, but in Philippians 2, there's, there's talk of another kind of pouring out. Another kind of emptying out. And um, David... David poured out the water that they brought because it represented their lives and he felt it was too precious to drink. Philippians 2 says, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped or to be taken advantage of, but he emptied himself by taking the form of servant and dying on a cross. He didn't just throw out the water, he, he threw out himself. He emptied himself for his, his men, who weren't even mighty men at that stage. If we think about the state that we were in when we came to Jesus, I wasn't a mighty man. I wouldn't even call myself that now, but he, he emptied himself so that we could become that. And he was the greatest leader that ever lived. And he lives still. And I think what's also encouraging from the scripture is that whenever God um, rises up someone to do a specific work, when he calls someone to do something that's huge, and we see this in David's life and with the men that surrounded him, um, even you know, the hundreds of men that surrounded him in the hills and traveled with him and protected him and looked out for him and brought food for him when Saul was persecuting and wanting to kill him. Whenever God cho cho chooses someone... I'm just thinking of someone like Martin Luther King or just some of these modern-day examples that we have. He always raises up mighty men to help do that work. Anywhere you find the work of God being done, you will also find this principle to be true. And um, in this, in this uh, Santon congregation um, that we are in, um, I've just, seen that, I've just seen that happen so much where God has raised up mighty men wherever there was a need. And I'm so encouraged by that. And, you know, as much as Lauren and I are leading this congregation, we, we don't see ourselves as David and other people, other mighty men. We see ourselves as mighty men running alongside other mighty men after the true David. You know, Jesus being called the son of David many times in Scripture. He's the head, and we're just so privileged to run with you guys and... I want to specifically honor um, these 10 people that stood up here tonight and um, you know, that are just willing to serve in this capacity and willing to take up this responsibility and serve Jesus and worship Him in, in the best way that they can and serve you guys and, and lead to the best ability God gives us. In Scripture, um, David's mighty men is described as mighty in valor. 
mighty in faith and anointed with the power of God. They're not afraid to risk and to sacrifice, but willing to offer their lives because they love the King, Jesus. And that I can say without a shadow of doubt that is true about these people that stood up here tonight. And it's true about many of you as well. And so I'm not, um, my intention tonight is not to show favoritism or to, um, you know, exalt certain people over others, not at all. I really just want to honor the fact that we are acknowledging the leadership of these people tonight. Many of these things are, are, are true for you too, but for Okert and Yutomi, um, what makes me personally feel safe in, in, uh, in uh, laboring and leading with Okert and Yutomi is um, their love for the truth and their love for what is right and a heart for justice. Um, and they've, they've called Lauren and I on certain things in the past when they haven't agreed on stuff that we've done or said and uh, we so appreciate that and we feel so safe with that and we love how you live your lives a lifestyle of worship Jock and Elizabeth we, um, we love how you pursue vulnerability with others and with the Lord and how you pursue an authentic expression of living out who God has made you to be and the gifts upon your lives bring so much freedom and we love how you pursue freedom and how you seek freedom in Jesus and seek to extend that to others as well. Hannes and Kath, two of the most faithful people that I've ever known, two of the most consistent people that I've ever known. When they say they'll do something, they do it. They're always there. They're always looking after people. They have incredible moral character and such a commitment to shepherd the flock. Bernay and Bianca, um, when I wrote down your names, I just felt like God said, the power of God on you. And uh, yeah, we're excited about that. And we love your heart for his presence and intimacy with him. And we love the fact that you are always open to challenging your perspective and doing things not according to cultural norms and what society demands, but according to what you believe to be true. Andre and Mason, I want to honor for their love for the bride, their love for the body. I, I haven't met many people who have such an intense love for the church, and not for shofar or a specific congregation, but the church as in the body of Christ and the bride that's being prepared for a, a groom that's coming back. And they lay their lives down, even in this year that's been the most intense and hectic season of their lives. They've just been here and enjoy and doing what needs to be done and excited about what God's doing in the church. And then to, to the rest of us, to the congregation, um, I include myself in this. I want to encourage you to say yes to what God is calling you to, even if it seems big and even if you know for a fact that you are not able to do what He's calling you to because He will raise up the mighty men around you that you need. Um, that's in church, that's at work, that's in your family, that's anything else that the Lord is laying on your heart. Say yes, even if it freaks you out. Don't wait until you've got your plan and you've got your structure and you know who you think the mighty men might be. God will raise them up if it's truly from Him. I want to ask you, what kind of mighty man are you? 
And what kind of David are you? I want to encourage all of us to risk and, and sacrifice out of our love for the king. Out of our love for the king. Not out of obligation, not out of religious duty, but out of that love, that commitment. That, that I just overheard that he wants a cup of water and I'm going to run and I'm going to go get that thing even if it costs me an arm or leg. And um, that's, that's what makes what life worth living. And um, then maybe just to a small group of people here tonight, if you are not sure about church or if you're not sure about Jesus, or, um, or maybe if you've just gone through a really tough time and you're not sure if you're not sure, you just feel so tossed all over the place and it's been a rough year and you're tired and you were, maybe someone really hurt you, or maybe you've been trusting for something that just hasn't come through. Um, whatever it is, I want to say to you that the mighty men, when they started out, they were not, they were not so mighty. Um, it wasn't, we, we may be tempted to think that, um, that, that David did a, you know, David looked around and he looked at the strongest and the most agile and the most equipped and he selected and he, you know, he had a bit of a shortlist and then he filtered the shortlist and then through a process of elimination, um, that was not the case. If we, this is how the journey of the mighty men began. In 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 to 2, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And listen to this. This is, what the, this is the mighty men came out of this group of people. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And they were with him about 400 men. And uh, tonight Jesus, maybe for the first time, maybe again, is um, ready to be your commander. He's a good commander. He's one to be trusted and one to be followed with our whole heart. It was those who were in distress, those who were being persecuted by Saul. It was those who were in debt. They were about to be sold into slavery. And those who were bitter in soul, and maybe there are some of us who can relate to that tonight. Those who were bitter in soul, discontented and unhappy with what life had to offer. And so they didn't sign up for a Navy SEAL program. They were just desperate. They were just trying to escape. And David created that safe space for them. And under his leadership, they could grow into the mighty man that would help him fulfill his destiny. And Jesus can do that with anybody with anybody. If we will surrender our lives to him and love him with all our hearts. Let's stand. Yes, Lord Jesus, we just say that as David was a, was a good king, he wasn't the shadow of who you are. And uh, tonight, we just as we sang that song earlier, may we never lose our wonder, Lord. We just say that you are beautiful, you are holy, you are worthy, 
And you will, when we are desperate and we are seeking refuge and we just want to start over, you're the one that we can run to and be a commander and turn us into mighty men and mighty women of God. And tonight we just bless you, Lord. I want to pray for every person in here, Lord, that may feel discouraged in their heart, Father God. And I pray for a strengthening, Lord, and a courage right now to rise up in those hearts, Father God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, just for your presence. And I thank you, Lord, for that presence, Lord. You say in your word, Lord, that the kingdom of heaven is not eating or drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, whether there are heavy hearts or maybe tired hearts or hearts that are just at the end of a year, Lord. I thank you for that refreshment, Father God, that you bring, Lord. And we just say, Lord, we give you our hearts tonight, Lord. We say that we love you, Lord, and we, we want to, oh, Lord, we want to we wanna serve you like those, those mighty men serve David, Lord, because you are, you are everything, Lord. So we bless you, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.